Working as the Post and Courier's Clemson reporter, I get to cover some of the top teams in the nation. One of the things that makes my job really interesting is being able to be at the facility, talking to the players, getting to learn their stories. With a subscription to the Tiger Take, you'll not only get to read everything I write on postandcourier.com, but you'll also get the latest updates straight to your inbox. But more than that, you'll get insights that you won't find anywhere else. Hi, this is Gene Sapikoff of the Charleston Post and Courier. I am a sports columnist and college football editor at the PNC. Welcome to Countdown to Kickoff, that fun weekly thing where we talk to Post and Courier Clemson beat writer John Blau about everything Tigers. And if you'd like to read John's really cool newsletter, check out postandcourier.com slash the tiger take. That is postandcourier.com slash the tiger take. John. 31 to 3, Clemson victory at Boston College last week. Clemson improves to 6 and 0, and, and they move up from number five to number four in the AP poll. Not that that matters too much, but let's just say they're in great position where they want to be going into the college football playoff rankings that come out in a few weeks. First, John, let's talk about DJ Uyunglele and his legs. You wrote about that this week and how much improved Clemson is because of DJ's improved running ability. John, your thoughts on DJU and his running game so far this season? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of conversation about it in the preseason, just that he lost about 30 pounds. He was obviously didn't have that knee brace anymore. Uh, was a little bit more agile in, in preseason camp, and it's kind of bared itself out thus far this season. I think he already has about 315, if I'm remember, remembering right off the top of my head, rushing yards uh, through six games. Last year in 13 games, he had 308. So he's already surpassed his total from last year. Um, and the coaches just say it's more of a willingness to do it. I mean, just last year, there might have been opportunities where he could have pulled it. He was a little hesitant to do it, A, again, because he wasn't um, as felt, and also because he had that big bulky knee brace on. Uh, he's just more willing to do it. And when you do that, it gives you an extra hat in the run game in terms of um, they, they call it hats. It's an extra blocker um, because you've got your quarterback as the runner, your running back can, can block. Um, and then also you kind of make defenders have to respect that because if DJU is going to pull it, he can run for about 40 yards like he did in that last drive against BC. Uh, the linebackers have to sit there, respect that, and that gives potentially more lanes to Will Shipley and Phil Maffa. So it has been a really big part of the running game and honestly the best part of the running game thus far, uh, which honestly is probably what Clemson needs to improve on is, is running it with the running backs. Welcome again to Countdown to Kickoff, and if you're wondering where John and I are, we are at the Weston Charlotte Hotel for the ACC basketball tip-off. That's what's these cool, beautiful, scenic visuals behind us. John, uh, here's an interesting stat. Clemson is 32 for 32 in red zone scoring this year, owing to DJU's uh, improvement, offensive line improvement. Also, I'm writing about that this week in the Post and Courier. And only three other teams are perfect in the red zone, and that is Ohio State and Tennessee. And uh, I doubt anyone else would guess the other one. It's Vanderbilt. But 32 for 32 with 24 touchdowns and eight field goals. That worked again at Boston College. And just the overall takeaways, John, that you have from Chestnut Hill and that 31 to 3 win for Clemson last week. Yeah, I think I actually wrote about it in the newsletter last week in terms of 
the coaching staff actually split up in terms of game planning, the red zone, third down, all these very specific situations. They weren't very good at them last uh, year. And so they actually, Kyle Richardson was talking about third down being, uh, I think it was, I forget if it was third down or red zone or blanking off the top of my head, but Kyle Richardson had one of those groups and made that his quote unquote baby. And Tyler Grisham made the other uh, his baby. And they've been really good in the red zone, obviously. Uh, I think that statistic is a little misleading in that it doesn't account for whether you scored a touchdown or a field goal. And I do think Clemson has probably kicked field goals more than they would like in terms of just not finishing and getting touchdowns. But I do think, again, going back to the Boston College game, that's a reason to think. Um, I was covering my mic, apparently. So can you hear me better? Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. In terms of the... Uh, the game last week against Boston College, uh, I think that that leaves you with reason to think they can do better in terms of scoring points, in terms of being an even better offense because that they, you know, it was 3-3 after the first quarter and then um, we had that last drive. I guess the middle eight is the thing that everybody's been talking about uh, the last four minutes of the second quarter and the first four of the third quarter. Uh, they were able to score a couple times there and pull away from Boston College, but um defensively been great obviously it's been a huge pickup since wake forest and just getting that offense to just be a little more efficient and again turn some of those field goals into touchdowns would be a really big deal post and courier on countdown to kickoff with john blau post and courier clemson beat reporter if you'd like to check out his newsletter go to postandcourier.com slash the tiger take John, this is an interesting game coming up at Florida State. And uh, for Clemson fans and Clemson Nation, finally, a relatively healthy Clemson Tiger football team. I mean, it's about as healthy as you can find Clemson being going back to the 2020 season. I mean, not even going into that 2021 opener at Georgia, have they been as good a shape health-wise? Uh, what can you say about that? Yeah, obviously, Brian Brzee has been missing for a couple of games. Uh, in the secondary, you're missing Tyler Venables and R.J. Mickens. Sheridan Jones has still been out. But I think there's hope that all of those guys are going to be back for this game. Um, and that defensive line, which, again, had tons of depth, has been able to sustain uh, missing a couple of pieces because they've had so much depth. But now you get all of the pieces together, that, that Avengers defensive line they've been talking about with all the different you know characters, Thor, Brzee, uh, being Hulk, um, you know, all of these guys, you, you finally assemble. If people understand the, the reference to the Marvel movies and Endgame, they, they had a final assembly in terms of the final battle. But uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see them all together and how much they're able to get after Jordan Travis. John, the Clemson offensive line, there were seven different combinations last year over the 13 games. This year, the same five starters over the first six games. How much of a difference has that made to the offense and to DJ Uyunglele in particular? Yeah, I mean, having that um, consistency with all of its different pieces on the offense, um, at receiver, at, at offensive line, obviously, uh, Walker Parks moved down to right guard. Um, which brought in Blake Miller, the true freshman, a right tackle. You had Will Putnam moving down to center. But now they've had six games under their belt, been able to work as a cohesive unit. Um, le left guard Marcus Tate, uh, he's in his second year, kind of a night and day situation, Dabo Sweeney saying in terms of his improvement. And uh, Jordan McFadden, obviously a, a stalwart at left tackle. So 
Uh, they've they've been able to mesh over these first six games. I think obviously DJ Uyunglele is much more comfortable behind them, and um, yeah, they've been giving giving him tons of time in the pocket, and he's been much better for it. So I think consistency on the offensive line at, at receiver in a lot of different positions has helped DJ and his progression this year. John, you're going to have a really intriguing piece, one of many John Blau vintage stories where you really take these deep dives into players at Clemson. And this week uh, on Jeremiah Trotter, the really good linebacker and the son of the former Philadelphia Eagles star linebacker of the same name. What did you learn? Kind of give us the abridged version of the Trotter story that uh, you're going to have for the Post and Courier this week. It's probably um, what you, you would expect. Obviously, the son of a Pro Bowl, All-Pro linebacker basically was grown up to be a linebacker. I mean, basically, his dad has coached him ever since he was about you know two or three years old. They would set pillows up down on the floor and just have him tackle pillows uh, when he was two or three. And then he kind of you know adjusted and helped him figure out how to drive his hips through. And then they started doing gator roll tackles and goal line situations. And then all of a sudden, you know, in little league, you, Jeremiah Trotter senior uh, was his defensive coordinator all the way up through middle school and then going into high school and uh, coming to college. I mean, literally Jeremiah Trotter senior will, will watch Clemson's film. He has a login to Clemson's film and he will go and he will watch every single play that Jeremiah Trotter junior has and kind of guide him through all the technical things he could do better. And uh, so, I mean, Clemson's talked about how Jeremiah Trotter Jr. prepares like a pro. He, he is basically uh, a pro in terms of how he, he approaches the game. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that he has a pro who's his dad. So um, that obviously made a great impact as a freshman, making even more of an impact as a sophomore now. And so it'll be interesting to see how he keeps growing from here. But he definitely has a, a great mentor in, in his father. Don't tell any uh, helicopter Little League parents about, about that, that he has a login to the film. Of all the <laughs> but I guess if you're a former All-Pro NFL linebacker, that's okay. John, on to uh, Florida State, October 15th in Tallahassee, Doak Campbell Stadium. Uh, Florida State, a four-and-a-half-point underdog in this game and coming off a couple of really tough losses to teams Clemson had just beaten Wake Forest and NC State. Uh, how much of a factor do you think the Seminoles' uh, mental state will be in this game after those two really tough close losses for Mike Norvell and the Seminoles? Yeah, that is a um, an X factor. But, I mean, Dabo Sweeney has talked about this is a team with the talent to beat anyone. Um, you know, obviously they, they beat LSU. Um, they, they've had, you know, Wake Forest. They did battle them. Obviously Wake Forest won decisively and then, NC State kind of had them on the ropes and didn't quite pull it off, but uh, it will be interesting to see how they how they respond. Uh, they have a great quarterback who can really make some plays on the ground as a scrambler, and so it's really going to be as much up to Clemson and their discipline in terms of caging him and and doing the things you have to do um, to determine whether they're going to win the game. Because uh, if you give Florida State that little bit of hope, if you let Jordan Travis pick up a couple of scrambles all of a sudden they're a very dangerous team. They could beat you. If you do cage him, if you do frustrate them, maybe uh, the fact that they have had a couple of close losses and, and just dropped that game to NC State kind of gets in their head and they start to kind of have a, a little bit of a backslide in terms of uh, how they're playing the game. So I think it really has to do with Clemson, how they how they approach it, how they, um, you know, uh, approach the game and, and do the, the th little things they need to do because 
Florida State is dangerous, but whether they're mentally there or not, we'll find out. But it will be interesting to see how Clemson approaches it. John, here's my uh, bold prediction for the Florida State-Clemson game. At, at some point before the game, some fake Seminole uh, mascot guy will jump onto a horse and ride onto the field, look over at the Clemson sideline, and throw a flaming spear into the ground. And uh, at many points during the game, the Florida State fans will be doing the tomahawk chop. But as far as a more specific prediction, uh, what do you see for this game and uh, what is your score or, yeah, your score pick? Let's go with that, John Blau. Uh, let's go 21 to 17. I mean, I'm going to go close, but a little, little over, I guess, whatever the spread is. Is it three and a half? I thought, so I'm going to try to go four. Yeah, I've seen it at four, four and a half. Maybe it's down to three and a half or up to five. Yeah, so 21 to 17 sounds, sounds pretty much in the ballpark. All right. Well, this has been another edition of Post and Courier Countdown to Kickoff with John Blau, Post and Courier Clemson Beat Reporter. If you would like more of John Blau, really cool insights from on and off the field, check out postandcourier.com slash the Tiger Take. And until next week for John Blau, I am Gene Sapikoff, and we will see you later to talk about Clemson versus Syracuse.